Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode eight of Mix in America. Today, I'm going to talk about police brutality. This is a controversial topic. This is a uh, often uh, upsetting topic. This is one that uh, people have differing viewpoints. People that uh, argue and fight about about this. It's obviously a very sensitive issue. It's a very serious issue. So in this episode of my podcast, I'm going to talk about three things today. I'm going to give you my kind of thoughts on police brutality. I'm also going to talk about a conversation that I had actually right after this uh, George Floyd died. Specifically after George Floyd was killed, I had a conversation uh, with the police chief of the city that I live in. Uh, I just reached out and a a little surprised, honestly, that he got back to me and was willing to meet with me. And we, we sat and had a conversation about George Floyd, about police brutality, about community relations, about racism. Um, it was a good conversation to be honest with you. And I'm going to share a little bit about that with you. What, what kind of, I took away from that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about George Floyd specifically. I haven't mentioned him a whole lot. Uh, I think probably in my first episode, maybe I did. Uh, obviously this was, that was the inspiration. Um, that incident was the inspiration for me starting this to have these more difficult conversations about race. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit because obviously that's what started this whole thing. Um, that's why there's a lot more conversation about police brutality now than there was when I was growing up and specifically really the last few years, um, maybe even five years or so, there's been a lot more conversations than before. So because stuff has happened and because it's come up and I don't know if, if black men are dying at the hands of police even more than they are, than they have, but it's definitely, we're hearing about it more. Maybe it's just being brought to the light more. Maybe we're just seeing it more than we did before. So let me just start by saying this. We absolutely have a police brutality problem in America. There's, there's no debate. We have a problem. I look at it this way. Either black people are actually being unfairly treated and abused by police, or there's a perception problem. And black people in America think they're being unfairly treated and abused by police. Either way, that's a huge problem. Whether, it's, whether you want to say it's justified or not, there are a lot of people in America who feel more fear and not less when police show up. And that is a huge problem. How can police effectively protect their community if their own community hates them, thinks they're racist, and sees them as their enemy? How can a police officer do their job if, if when they show up to help someone, that person is mad at them, it hates them, uh, treats them poorly? How can you effectively do your job if your job is to protect the community if your community hates you, obviously the issue is bigger, uh, more of a problem in, in some communities than others, um, but there absolutely is a problem, and it's a nationwide problem. Uh, it is a problem. Whether it's perception or reality, it's absolutely a problem, and it's not okay. So the truth is, for the most part, the black community has been at odds with the police department for generations. You know, I've heard some people say that it started back uh, during slavery when local law enforcement was their job was to catch runaway slaves and bring them back to their masters. We can talk about civil rights and Dr. King and his marches and police turning fire hoses uh, and dogs on their mar- on the people during their marches. Like, yeah, uh, some people refer to the war on drugs and how that disproportionately targeted black people. That obviously did not help the relationship between black the black community and the police. Um, if you're old enough to remember Rodney King in L.A., I'm not old enough to really remember. I don't really know all the details. Um, didn't understand, obviously, at the time. I think it was like five or six when it happened, so obviously did not understand the reality or what, what, what actually happened, what was going on. 
Um, but obviously that didn't help police relations uh, with the black community. Hip hop music is literally littered with anti-police messaging, uh, you know, including the song by NWA. It's F the police. Uh, if you saw Straight Outta Compton, then you know that you see that song and you see where that came from and you can see kind of the birth of gangster rap. And really, it was born out of the war with, with police. Like, they were all about street and drugs and F the police. So you can go back literally generations and generations of this black people versus the police. So this is nothing new. If you're white and you're from the suburbs... You might be confused with all this that's happening right now, all this protesting and shouting defund the police, but it's not new. It might be louder than it's ever been, at least in my lifetime, because of recent events, but it's not new. Black people hating the police is not new. It might be new to you if you live in the suburbs, if you are white, you, it, it, it can be confusing. You can, like, I, I've had conversations with white people that don't get it, that don't understand why black people can't just obey the laws and not get in fights with police. But it's it's a generational thing that's been going on forever, and that is passed on. Black people are usually taught to fear the police. Like, even if they aren't taught to, like, disrespect them and hate them and fight them, they're almost always taught to obey the police out of fear. They'll say, because you're black, you have to obey every word the police officer tells you, or they might shoot you, or you might end up dead or maybe even in jail they're at least gonna rough you up a little bit right that that's a very real conversation that a lot of black americans have with their kids whether you think it's it's healthy or not it happens and so it's getting passed down from generation to generation where black people are being told you can't trust the police i remember having a similar conversation with my mom right when i got older and if you don't remember uh, if you don't know, my mom's a black woman, but she's also a probation officer for Hennepin County. So she works in law enforcement and she works with cops. So this conversation that we had was not about race, was not about the color of my skin. She told me that I should listen to cops. And if I ever get pulled over or if I ever, God forbid, get arrested because I broke the law, she said, listen to them, obey them because they have a tough job and they deal with terrible people and crappy situations all day long. And they are angry. They can be angry. All of that frustration could lead to anger and could lead to them just looking for an excuse to let it out. She told me, if you give them a reason, they might hit you. If you run, if they chase you and they catch you, they're not going to be happy. If you give them attitude, if you give them a reason, if you resist at all, you might get hit. And whether you're talking about a fine or going to jail or whatever, at least you're still alive and you can fight it out in court. And you can, we can have a whole nother conversation about how the system, uh, whether or not the system is fair and if you're going to get a fair trial and all that stuff, but at least you're alive. So my mom taught me, don't, don't fight with police. Don't argue with police. Do what they say. And it wasn't really out of fear. It's a similar conversation, but it wasn't about fear to me when I had that conversation with her, maybe at the time I took it as fear, like be afraid of them because they have guns and they might be mad. But when you think about it, that's really about empathy. It's about having empathy for everyone. Because what she was saying is they might have a bad day. They're humans too. They might get mad and they might do something they're not supposed to do. They're not supposed to rough you up. 
but they might be having a bad day and they're humans and they might take it out on you. So yeah, someone, it was out of fear, but mostly it was about empathy and about respect for another human being that might be having a rough day. And that was basically the root of what my mom taught me is that police officers are human, which means they have bad days and that means they make mistakes. And their bad days are a whole lot worse than my bad days. Let me tell you, on a bad day for me, if things don't go well at work, all right, maybe an edit didn't go as smoothly, maybe a video I was working on, uh, I was uh, I was out of focus or I didn't record hit record at the right time and I missed something and maybe I'm late on a deadline or, but their bad days, they're getting shot at, right? They're getting spit on, they're getting beat up, they're getting yelled at, they're getting cursed out. Maybe somebody died on their bad days. They have rough days. So I, I truly believe that, that it's about empathy. And um, if you aren't black and you're having a hard time understanding why black people might dislike or fear the police, then find a black person and ask them. And don't just find the one black person that you know agrees with you, but really find, find a black, right? We're talking about empathy. We're talking about empathy for the police and empathy for the black community. So if, if you are a white person and you have a hard time believing that and you don't think it makes sense for, for a black person to be afraid of police, then I want you to find a black person. Hopefully that you know, don't, don't find a random black person because that's weird um, and uncomfortable and could, could end up very poorly. But hopefully you have a black person in your life, um, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, somebody that you're somewhat close with, which by the way, if you don't, then there's a problem and you need to figure that out too. You need to, yes, you need to have black friends. I think that's important. If you don't have any black person in your life, if during this whole uh, aftermath of George Floyd... If you haven't had one black person that you could talk to about this, then that's a problem. You do need to look into diversity in your friends. That's just a free side note. Not what I'm talking about at all. But find a black person who who understands this and ask them about it. Ask them how they feel when police show up. And I'm not saying you're going to like the answer necessarily, um, but that's okay. It's okay for us to not agree. But then again, who what is your place to agree with them or not on how they feel? So just listen, just, just have a conversation with somebody. Try to, try to understand what they're going through. And if you aren't a cop and you don't understand what their job is like, see if you can find a cop and ask them again, not some random cop, but hopefully somebody, you know, after the death of George Floyd, I reached out to three different police officers, my cousin, who was a police officer who's white, whose dad is black actually, because his mom married a black, a black man, my uncle. So he's all white, but he was raised by a black dad and has obviously mixed cousins. He has mixed brothers and sisters too, actually a little brother and a little sister who are mixed. Um, so I reached out to him. We haven't found a time to get together and talk yet. We've had, you know, we had a little bit of a conversation in that, but we haven't like really sat down yet. Uh, I think we will once we can figure our schedules out at some point, but I reached out to another, um, to a Brooklyn Park officer who actually goes to my church and we weren't able to get together. And honestly, I, I don't know him that well. So it was kind of a long shot anyways. Um, I know his family. I know of him. I've met him before, um, but I, I didn't expect to have a conversation, but he did offer to, um, if I wanted to ride along with the Brooklyn Park police to just kind of see what they're going through. Uh, my answer was no, <laughs> no disrespect, but I understand uh, personally, I, I won't fully understand the level of what they go through, but I know their job is hard, <laughs> and especially in Brooklyn Park. Uh, I, I don't want to go out and experience that 
because I know it's going to be rough. But but his point was, and and they will actually they'll do it if you if you want to know what it's like to be a police officer and what their job is like, then if you contact the your local police department. I bet they'll give you a ride along. I bet you can go with them and you can see and experience a couple hours maybe of what it's like um, to to be a police officer. Because remember, we're talking about empathy. We're talking about uh, spending some time in somebody else's shoes. We're talking about trying to understand what it's like for them. I was just thinking like you can't be black for a day. Don't try. Don't blackface. Do not try to be black and see what that's like. But you can try to be a minority, go somewhere where you are not the majority, if you're white, go to a black barbershop, go to a black church, go to a a Mexican cookout, something different, right? Go to the Asian part of town and be the only white person uh, in the room. That's actually, I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week. Um, I'll go into that later, but uh, that's just something that popped in my head right now. And my wife's not here to keep me on track, so I'm going to go off on these rabbit trails. So then the other, the other, police that I reached out to was local police here. I live in Osseo, Minnesota. Um, it's kind of a, it's a small town, but it's like in the middle of, um, kind of the suburbs. You got Maple Grove, Brooklyn park, uh, are like completely surrounded it. And you got this great little small town in the middle of it. Love Osseo, a uh, huge shout out to the city of Osseo, but I reached out, um, to their police department, not really expecting anything. Anyway, that felt like a long shot as well, but I was actually a little surprised that their chief of police here in Osseo agreed to sit down and talk with me and have a conversation about this. And it was actually really cool. And he said he actually makes a point to be accessible to the community and you can get his phone number on the website. So if you live in Osseo and you want to have a conversation with the police department, I I recommend you do because I think it was pretty good. And I think not enough of us sit down and have conversations with people that might be uncomfortable or people we might not know super well or we might not agree with. So I want to share with you guys uh, just quickly, a few things that I took away from that conversation that I thought were were good and I took away from, from that conversation with him. The first thing is he said that every city trains differently, but he's never seen that knee on the neck thing that killed George Floyd. He's never seen that ever once taught in, in Osseo where he works now. And he mentioned he you know in his career he's worked at, at some other cities as well. He also said that in addition to combat training, I don't know if that's the right word, combat um, but I couldn't think of the, the right word that he used, but like fighting, you know what I'm saying? Like defensive, aggressive techniques, whatever. In addition to that training, right? He also said they have de-escalation training. So like how to try to talk the situation down first. Um, and he said they had an internal bias training, which I thought was pretty cool that they, um, they sit and they actually, they train you and talk to you about these internal biases that we all have. One thing that I thought was really cool that he mentioned, um, I actually asked him about this because one of the things with George Floyd's death was the other officers that were standing by and didn't do anything. And he said, at least in their department, they have something that's called the duty to intercede. And I think it's more than just their department. I do think it is a, a police thing, but he said they have duty to intercede, which means as an officer, if you see something that's that's not okay, that you have a problem with, that you think's not okay, then you have an obligation to stop it and to report it. Another really cool thing that, that he talked about was... Um, he, he looks at things as the bell curve. If you don't know about the bell curve, um, basically it says that whatever thing we're talking about, anything, uh, the majority of it lies, 80% of it lies in the middle, someone in the middle. 10% is going to be above, 10% is going to be below. So he, he, he used the example of people that commit crimes. 
So he said that there's 10% who roughly 10% of people who never break a single law will not even speed, will not ever do anything wrong. They're just great people who absolutely obey the law. And then there's 10% of people who are your repeat offenders. They're the ones that are consistently uh, doing illegal things that are consistently criminals that are back in the system. Um, But 80% of people are good people just trying to get through life. They might speed, they might um, do a little bit here and there. They might, you know, they might, they might try to get away with some stuff. They might go a little too far. They might, you know, break a couple noise ordinances or something like that. Or, you know, there's obviously different range. There's obviously a range in here, right? In this 80%, um, you know, smoke a little weed, drink a little of this, whatever. But 80% of people live uh, in the middle. Good people just trying to get home to their families. But what hap- what can happen with with police officers is they only interact for the most part. Most of their interactions are with that ten percent, that first ten percent that breaks the law a lot. So if they're not careful, they can paint with a broad brush and think that the whole community is like that. Or specifically, they might interact with a small percentage of black people that are criminals, and then they can paint all black people like that. But the opposite is also true. That that we tend to notice the 10% of officers that are the worst, right? I would say the guy that killed George Floyd is absolutely in that 10%. And so we paint with a broad brush. We as, as citizens, as people, looking at officers often paint with that broad brush of, oh, we, we experience this 10%. So we paint with a broad brush and we see everybody that way. And in our conversation, he talked about like, we all need to do better than paint with that broad brush. And officers need to not think of everybody as criminals, and we need to think about all cops not as bad. So I thought that was a really cool um, understanding. We also did talk about George Floyd specifically, uh, George Floyd's death specifically. Uh, I don't want to speak for him. I, it, again, he has his number on the website, so if you want to talk to him, you know, maybe he, he doesn't like that I'm telling everybody this, but you can reach out to him if you want his specific opinions. And again, I don't want to speak for him, but he did say that that specific officer has been known for abuse of power and for thinking that he's better than other people. Um, and that kind of being a little power hungry, a little too power hungry. And when you look at that video, uh, you could see in his face, the power that he went with the crowd around him. He felt like he, he was the powerful one there and that everybody else was kind of beneath him. He also said that talked a little bit about the investigation process, how long and difficult that is. He did say that the union can be a problem, because that's their job is to defend the officers. Um, that That's why they're there is to defend the police officers. And sometimes that means the bad ones too. The good ones and the bad ones get defended by the union because that's their job. And maybe that's something we can look into, uh, how to figure that out. But if somebody is wrongly accused of something, um, you know, you don't want to just say they don't get any defense because they're now a bad officer. But he also mentioned, he also talked about and. You guys that live around here probably already know it shouldn't be news to you that Minneapolis Police Department does not have a great relationship with their with their own city. They have it for a really long time, and the community and the the officers don't don't get along. They've had they've had a lot of issues over the years. And one thing that he said is that he talked about how long this investigation process was and how it takes time. Uh, and he said, basically, I would hope that our community would give us the time to get it right, 
to figure it out, to do the investigation before rushing to judgment. And in the world we live in now, you know, not a lot of people get time like that. But he was saying that their relationship, again, the city of Osseo, pretty small, uh, pretty good community. We don't have a lot of crime. Um, we, we got a pretty good city, a pretty good community here. But he said that with their relationship, he would hope that, that our city would give them time to figure it out. If God forbid something like that happened in their city, that the community, the people would say, okay, you've earned our trust and we'll give you the time to do the investigation and find out the truth before we start rushing to judgment. And he talked about how important it is to have a great relationship with your community. And obviously that means not um, killing or injuring or hurting, abusing black people, but also just in general, like what kind of relationship do you have? What events do you have? Uh, my cousin who's a cop uh, in Bloomington said they have like, I don't know if it was monthly or something where they have forums where you can come talk to a cop. Uh, you know, I've heard different things about coming to get coffee and donuts with cops or, you know, the different um, national night outs and and uh, community events and things that they're a part of. A lot of that is to build relationships. So I would ask for more time to figure things out, but we're not always going to get that in this world that we live in now. But I would say that at least each case is different. Let's look at each, each case differently. You know, when I when I see people talking about police brutality and then they list all these names, Right. And what they're trying to show is how long the list is and how bad it is. And I get it. But some of those cases, the shooting was probably necessary, right, to defend themselves. Some of the, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked into all of them. In fact, I haven't looked into a ton of detail with all of them. That's not my job. I'm not the investigator. It's not my job to, to prosecute these people. But um, every case is different, including I make some people mad about this, but this always bothers me when they talk about police brutality. And they talk about Trayvon Martin. He was not killed by a police officer. He was killed by a citizen who was armed, who was a vigilante, who thought he was doing the right thing and was over aggressive. Um, now you could say the system got that guy off. Um, so that's another conversation, but he was not killed by a police officer. Um, so let's not talk about, let's not say the police are bad and then list all these names, including someone that wasn't killed by a police officer. So just each situation is different and it takes time, but I will say this, that the biggest thing for me with this George Floyd thing was people saying, wait for the facts. Well, you don't need facts to grieve for the loss of life. When this happened in my city, I was sad. I don't care anything else. I don't care about the details. I don't care about the facts. This man died by the hands of law enforcement in my city. And George Floyd was a child of God, created in the image of God, and he lost his life. And even, even if facts would have come out and he would have been on something. He'd have been doing something. He'd been resisting arrest, whatever it is. It's sad that he died. Even if it was his own fault, even if he made decisions that led him to that point, I'm sad that he made those decisions. And I'm sad that a child of God was killed. And, and that's my, a lot of people want to say, wait for the facts. They want to discuss the facts. They want to talk about, maybe they want to talk about George Floyd's criminal record. They want to talk about what he had in his system or whatever else. That's for the jury to decide. That's for the that's for the courts to decide. Um, for me, I'm sad about the loss of life. And first and foremost, and that happens immediately, instantly. As soon as I found out he was dead, I didn't need to wait for any facts to be sad. And I that's is that empathy that I keep talking about. So my opinion on George Floyd is that I am sad about the loss of life. First and foremost, anything else doesn't matter. That's sad. Someone lost their life. 
if you want to look at it, if you want to watch the video, which I did not watch maybe more than two seconds of that video because I didn't want to, but you could, I, I just couldn't do it. But, but you look at that and whatever led to that point in the video, at that point in the video, Floyd was subdued and the officer didn't care. And the officer didn't care about Floyd's life. And if you want to look at it as race, because Floyd was, George Floyd was black and the officer was white, maybe that was the case. I don't know. I'm not in his head. If it was about power, uh, doesn't matter. The officer didn't care. He thought of Floyd as less than human. He let him die and he didn't care. That case seems pretty clear to me. Again, I haven't done the investigation. I don't know all the details. Um, but regardless of whatever led to that point, and I really don't care about the $20 bill. I really don't care about um, any resisting, honestly, to that point. Because at that point, even if he had resisted, even if he had fought back, at that point, he was laying on the ground and his knee was on his neck for way too long. That did not need to happen. I don't know. That, that case seems pretty clear to me. So I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it is to defund the police. I think it might be maybe to give them more money. I think it might be a better solution for better training uh, or equipment, right? We talked about the training, the de-escalation and internal bias training that Osseo goes through. Uh, he talked to me a little bit about how much money they spent on like body cams and the equipment um, to make sure that they're accountable, they're held accountable. Um, maybe, maybe they need more money to do that. Maybe they need more more money for protective equipment so that they're not afraid. But like I said, I don't pretend to have the answers on these podcasts. This is just my thoughts. These are my opinions. This is what I feel. Next week, I'm actually going to talk about the third option, which is a phenomenal book written by our pastor in San Diego. When you're out in San Diego, our pastor there at the Rock Church, Miles McPherson. The book just has a lot of really good things to say, but also some very practical things that we can do. So we're not just talk about it, but we actually do something. So I'm going to talk more about that, all about that in my next one, The Third Option by Pastor Miles McPherson. So that'll be next Monday. So thanks for listening today. And thank you for for those that have been listening. And join me next Monday for episode nine of Mixed in America. Mixed in America.